Welcome to Angels in the Buff, where we strip away old stories and myths and evolve our beliefs around angels and the spiritual forces that surround us in order to expand our connection with the universal intelligence that serves us all. A new era is finally here, and so is a new dimension of talk. So let's join our host Stephanie Lodge as she investigates the science of spirit to bring you the naked truth from the angels themselves. This is Angels in the Buff. Welcome angels to Angels in the Buff. This is Reverend Stephanie Ann Lodge. How are you? I have been remiss at getting uh, on the air lately. I have been processing probably what has been some of the most oh, intense, I guess you could say, and challenging integrations for, for the past, gosh, month and a half, two months. Um, this is what I know. What I do as a stream of living light is administer a certain level of energy through the transmission that is my voice and what I share here on Angels in the Buff. And so when I'm processing a lot of my own personal, um, you know, familial or just energetic or even healing elements, it's imperative that I don't put out a transmission, right? Because it affects the whole of whoever listens. (laughs) So, um, my word is the law, right? That's how the angels had expressed it to me is I am the word. The word is law and the law is one. So when we know this, we know that we are all one being really having different focal points of experience and we come into that consciousness. It's imperative that we really take accountability and responsibility for what we are putting out into that law into that collective consciousness of one so anyway just wanted to kind of share why i've been mia why i haven't been out streaming (laughs) into the world my opinions or my sharings or whatever you want to call them my teachings and so forth um so here we are may and it's it's interesting i Oh, I've been coming into such a fullness of life and really looking at what are some of the areas of my life that I've been lacking in? What are some of the areas that I could be working on to bring things into balance? And there's been so much of me that I've given and given and given, and I had to really recharge and take that seriously too. So I'm going to share a little bit about what's been going on mostly because I feel that when we share our stories or we share our feelings, people can resonate and um, potentially feel seen in their own life or heard in their own life as a reflection, right? And they can see where they are um, and potentially find commonalities or common growth and things of that nature. So the last few months... um, I've been managing 
some healing, some deep inner healing, some deep core wounds of my inner child that have been needing to be uplifted and, you know, kind of changed once and for all, I guess you could say. And so I had to dive in, right? So for us to bring it up and elevate it, we have to dive in and pull it up out of the depths of our soul, really. And what is hiding within us sometimes are those things that are the most painful, where we don't feel seen, we don't feel loved, we don't feel even lovable in any capacity, um, we don't feel honored, maybe maybe we feel abandoned by life or by people, unsupported, things of this nature. So for me, it was no different. For me, um, I had, you know, some stuff to clear up and resolve within the family, which is always usually the best place to start when you're clearing up your stuff. <laughs> and specifically on the male sides. And um, that means father, father stuff. And for me, I don't know if I've shared this before, but basically I have a very unusual background. My father who raised me I believed was my father for 21 years of my life and he was um, Lebanese and he was Jewish. I grew up with the last name Baghdadi, believe it or not. And ironically, that's Middle Eastern out of, um, I guess, Iraq, right? So that wasn't actually his even real birth name. It was an adopted name because it was a labeled name because of his ancestor as a merchant going back and forth to Baghdad, they'd say, here comes the Baghdadi. <laughs> and the next thing you know, it became the last name. Um, I believe the original family name was Mizrahi. And I've never talked about this publicly, actually, so it's kind of interesting. But anyway, and so he, um, being Jewish and Lebanese, was kind of a war unto himself because he grew up so persecuted within... Beirut, Lebanon, um, that by the time he escaped due to the war, he really didn't want to look back and he really didn't want to embrace his Judaic lineage or anything that was part of that life when he came to the States. And what was funny is eventually, you know, he embraced it again, but it took time because there was such a feeling of being, you know, persecuted and I think there's sometimes that can, comes into a self-loathing, like we don't love ourselves because others don't love us to such a degree. There's such groups of people that don't love us that we feel like, okay, there's something wrong with us. We're defective, right? Especially when we come from cer certain cultures. And you can imagine that there are certain cultures on our planet in the minor minorities, right, we would call them, um, that would have that running in their system. You might also say that the Middle Eastern faculties of life, you know, whatever falls under that, um, gets kind of labeled the same. So there's a lot to consider on our planet today that creates separation and a lot around our cultures and our religions. And so it was just really interesting being this six foot two, extremely Caucasian girl <laughs> with the last name Baghdadi. You can imagine it was a little bit odd for me. And it was so funny how ignorant people were because some people thought it was a French name. Other people were just thought, like, you know, 
they didn't even associate it with the Middle East at all. It was really interesting. But um, that said, once I got married and I got the name Lodge, um, I realized something. Because by then I had come into a little bit more of an awareness of, of I guess you could say, awakening. Um, and when I released the name Baghdadi and I came into Lodge, it's like it kind of felt like I was home again. It felt like it fit me. And what was funny about it is that when I was 21, I found out I had another father. And it was just a really bizarre time because my parents were separating. I found out I was half adopted, meaning by my Lebanese father, and I didn't have an identity anymore. I, I, like, I lost somehow my identity because I was like, well, who am I? And who are all these family members that aren't even really blood-related? And, oh, my God. You know, it was just like this whole kind of shift that happened and really painful one at that. And it didn't really hit me right away because I tried to just understand. I tried to go through the mental I tried to just be really understanding that my parents were just protecting me. My parents were making me feel accepted. They didn't want me to process even more, you know, stuff as a kid. And I thought, what would I have done with that information at a little age, a little young age? And how would I have rebelled in my teens if I didn't fit in even more? You know what I mean? Like, there was all these things that I processed mentally, logically. But there was still the inner betrayal. There was still the, my parents lied to me that was sitting in there, right? And then my father found a new wife and eventually had another baby and, a, and it was a son and it was my brother. But again, not my blood-related brother, but just, you know, my brother nonetheless because of, you know, just my connection to my father. And, and yet it was just always strange. There was always this disconnect. And there was a disconnect from the three of them now because they were their own unit. I felt like the satellite kind of revolving around that unit and I didn't really know how to integrate and I didn't really feel accepted. And my father and I had had some, you know, tumultuous background because he was such a war upon himself. He just was a war upon the world in many ways. So his anger and his frustration sometimes would come out into the family and, and express itself in ways that felt abusive to me where I would just have to hide and be invisible and... I want him to get mad, you know, that kind of stuff. So it was just a very difficult, you know, first, let's say, 25 years, you know, of just really coming into a place of empowerment with myself. That wasn't really an option. <laughs> it was really a time for me to feel disempowered, if anything, and out of control fully, and life was having its way with me, and... Then I had this other father who, as much as I loved him, didn't really have his stuff together, you know, so it was just, and I didn't really know how to create that relationship now, starting from an older, you know, age, to have it be equal. You know what I'm saying? It was very, um, how do I say it? It was just, it was more of just there was a politeness of being and there was a love there, but it wasn't the same as what you get when you're programmed from a young age. Like this is my father. This is my God. I have to prove myself and get his love and all those things that can come up from 
you know, what we think of as our parents, right? So then once I got it, I had two fathers, it was just like, whoa, you know, what's going on here? Um, and the irony was that my new father, my biological father, who I started developing a relationship with, he would have all the time in the world to listen, and he was very loving, and he'd check in, and he was he was doing everything he could to be that father, right? That, that was accepting of everything I was, and totally unconditionally loving. So it was a beautiful thing, because I think my... My father who raised me, my Lebanese father, there was always a sense of conditional love. If I'm a good girl, daddy won't be mad. And if I'm a good girl, daddy will love me and all these things. And proving my worth. And it's not really his fault per se. You know, I don't want to sound like I'm blaming him. I'm just giving you an example of the type of childhood I had. So you can see it either maybe in yourself or maybe in others that you know. But anyway... Um, so as I evolved and as I grew and as I understood better where my parents were coming from, you know, how they were exploring their own insecurities as 20-something-year-olds raising a baby, you know, because that's basically what my father did is as soon as I was born, pretty much my mother and him were dating and he adopted me. So there was a very short period of time that, you know, she was not supported, I guess you could say, in this in her pregnancy. The funny thing is, is that I think I've mentioned this before, she was Buddhist, but she was Catholic turned Buddhist. So on the Catholic side of things, the family that was Catholic was, you know, baptizing me Catholic and <laughs> making sure I don't go to hell and the whole nine yards. But then her Buddhism, you know, had me baptized in a temple with the priests and she was chanting the whole time she was pregnant with me and chanting as I was literally coming into the world. And um, it's funny because there's an energetic field around me because of that now and and I you know I honor her for that I honor her for being that vessel you know that that being that understood enough somewhere in her higher conscious self that it would be a good idea to create a vibrational field for me to come into the world especially knowing what I know now <laughs> and knowing what I do now um, that that does affect my energetics so um, that is where I feel I received such a great blessing from her, from my mother. And so recently it's just been an integration of boundaries, you know, and, and independence and sovereignty and finding my space to be me fully and love me fully despite my background, you know, with these different parental <laughs> adjustments, let's call them. And when I stepped into my marriage and I became Stephanie Lodge, the other thing I didn't say yet was I realized energetically now I was working on all lodges. And we work, you know, when we understand that our name carries codes, it carries vibration. It's like, okay, so my name Lodge represents the Masonic Lodge or any of the secret societal lodges, right? It also represents the Native American Lodge and the Indigenous Lodges, right? So it's like such an interesting word when we think about it. And the home and, and what it represents is a space of like, or a container of being home, right? A space for um, meeting, right? <laughs> so there's just so much in that word, you know, that I realized I was working on by holding my vibration up. I'm clearing and cleansing and transmuting to some degree, what that word represents and then 
when I thought about it some more, I thought it's interesting that the first part of my life I was working on the Middle Eastern lineage of my name and essentially bridging Stephanie, which is a you know, very Americanized name, I guess you could say, but even though its origins are Greek, believe it or not. Um, Stephanie, you know, and then the middle name Anne with with the Anne having the association with my British background, but also um, being the name of the grandmother of Jesus, and if we're going to go into that, and so connecting to my scene lineage. Um, so it's like there was a, such an interesting combination, and vibrationally speaking, I found myself really working on the division within myself, the peace within myself. And we used to joke in my family, once the, there's peace in the Baghdadi family, there'll be peace in the Middle East. And what's so funny is it's not really just, like, not really um, incorrect. Because I do believe that all of us, when we understand how word works, right? The word is law. Our name is like a living document of law. And what that creates in the collective field of consciousness and so when we can work on that when we can hold our vibration to the highest we start to shift and and transmit through our code through our name into the field into the collective and start to assist in elevating its its vibration or not right so anyway um, so I kind of joke that now, you know, I'm going to hold on to Lodge for a while because there's so many different types of Lodges on this planet that need assistance in, in transcending what they've been, you know, and releasing out all the ideas of the secret societies and the mysteries that are being held, you know, away from the collective, you know, which to me, we're working through a time where we have the violet earth revealing all that needs to be healed and revealing everything so that we can move into the diamond earth and have full transparency and clarity and strength from living our truth, living authentically as people, as one as one consciousness. So again, big concepts, but the point I'm making is we all do our part. We all do our part because ultimately, I've said this before, if we if we are in matter, we matter. You know, there's a reason we're here. And so I always say, how are you elevating the planet today? How are you elevating Earth? And are you just in service to yourself all the time? Is it all about you? Is it all about your job and your family and your, you know, um, own personal soul growth without any type of thought or consciousness toward others, you know, toward what other people are going through? So it's, it's something to consider as we move into Diamond Earth, that we are moving into a collective, we are collective, collaborative, energetic. It's no longer going to be separation of all these different compartmentalized versions of the human race. You know, um, we really are becoming more of a melting pot globally. And, and of course, there's resistance to that. There's going to be groups that say, no, we don't want that. But ultimately, resistance is futile. You know, as I know from the angels, <laughs> they're like, yeah, good luck with that. Um, so 
it's very interesting, you know, when I look at what we're all going through in different ways, we're having to create peace within our own selves, and that's usually within our family structure. And if we can't find peace within the family, then I'm finding a lot of my clients have to leave the family behind. They have to move into another completely different lifestyle that really um, cuts that dynamic out. Because if they can't come to terms with it, if they can't find forgiveness, if they can't find peace, if there's constant arguments, if there's constant pain and struggle, then they have no choice but to walk away now. There's no more um, tolerance for abuse. There's no more tolerance for um, the big elephant in the room that nobody talks about, right? So for me, that was kind of what was happening um, with my dad, was like there was this big elephant in the room that nobody wanted to talk about, <laughs> which was just as we evolved, you know, our relationship, and he had a new son and a new wife, and I felt left behind, I would do my best to convey that to him, and then I'd have like these kind of attacks of of frustration, you know, because all attacks, again, are like a cry for help, right? As Neil Donald Walsh likes to say, uh, as conversations with God came through him. And, and it's really true. You know, I look at this as even on the world stage, you know, if there's terrorist attacks, it's a cry for help. And it's a cry for help from a group of people that are, um, have gone to the extreme because they've been really treated as pariah for far too long, you know, for, for, decades and decades and decades and possibly millennia of time you know they've just been undercut and underserved and un, un um, appreciated as who they are and I think fundamentally what that does to the human spirit is create anarchy because if you don't have the ability to um, rise into the light that you are and the love that you are because large enough groups say that you are nothing right and Yet what's interesting is in that in that um, culture, many times women are nothing, right? There's an expression um, of less than zero that comes up, you know, and women are treated as such. They're treated as commodities. They're treated as cattle in some respects, you know, traded, uh, enslaved ultimately, you know, and this has been happening for a long time, treated like nothing more than birthing machines, and so when we don't love the mother, we don't love the feminine, we are denying that within ourselves. And so that entire culture for a long time has been struggling with the kindness and love and unconditional acceptance and peace within themselves. So that, of course, that's not going to demonstrate itself into the world, right? So we, when we look at these things at the global level, then we kind of come back down to the microcosm and the family level I find it interesting for me personally that there was such a strong reflection um, where the female, in, in my case, was being neglected and, and un, un, unserved or just unseen, you know, and that wasn't feeling good, especially as I developed my um, spiritual consciousness, and then I got to a place where I just, as I, as I finally said it, I'm incapable of bullshit. I'm incapable of looking at this giant elephant in the room that now is wearing pink lipstick and has been there for a while and <laughs> is bedazzled with <laughs> all sorts of stuff to get attention and it's still just sitting there. 
So finally I'm like, hi, let's look at the elephant. And can we notice these big giant ears and these big, you know, it's just like, hello. So um, that was what I've been processing the last few months is just getting that cleared up. You know, since January 1st, pretty much stepping into a new year, it was just like, okay, we're going to, we're going to deal with this because I can't go year after year anymore, especially doing what I do in the world now and be a hypocrite because I'm not taking care of my own stuff, you know? So I did and I cleaned it up and I created peace within my family structure with my father, um, meaning my Lebanese father and heard him, heard his side of everything and, and, you know, got an apology and accountability for the things that he had done in my life, you know, that, that made me feel small, that made me feel hurt, that made me feel less than, you know, and I told him, I said, I know who I am, and, and that, I didn't deserve that, and he agreed, you know, and he understood, and so we came to a place where all the things that he had done to hurt me, and all the things that I had done to hurt him, and in retaliation of that, um, we got resolved, and stepped into another vibrational state of relationship that was much more loving. And I share this because I want people to know that it can be done. You can forgive. You can get to another side of things with people and come to a place of understanding that at the end of the day, they did the best they could from the inner child wounding that they had, right? Um, No matter what their adult body was, it's like their still inner child is in there, right? So especially if they're not doing a lot of soul growth to work on that, right? So it's just understanding that we can't expect people to come to the spiritual levels that we are always, you know, but we can bring our spirit to them and we can love them from where, where we know and be the example and and inspire them to do better for themselves. And I do think that in time, the relationship with my father can only grow stronger because he sees me now. He sees who I am in the world and he's proud of me, you know, and I've made it very clear to him that my priorities are not his priorities and how I live my life is not necessarily based on the values um, that he follows, you know, which is what the values of most people follow as a society, which is, you know, money is God, right? It's like, there's a sense that we, we're all here to just make sure we have enough money, and that's the, that's the main God, if we're going to be honest. Um, that's what most wars are fought over, and power and money, right? And um, the church is one of the largest uh, real estate owners in this world, you know? They have an LLC for each church in order for them to, if they get sued, to not have it all go all the way back to the Vatican. Um, and, you know, it's... In, in that case, right, with the Catholics and churches. So it's interesting. You know, it's interesting when we look at all of this, it's really a big business. Everything's big business. Our government's big business. Medical's big business. So why is that? And it's because we give that power. We feed that power to these structures um, because we've ultimately made money the priority above all else. And... What I would say is when we shift to a place where love is the priority, first and foremost, loving ourselves and others is the priority, it changes a lot of things. And money will be there, money will come, but if we're putting money first, and that becomes the reason we get up in the morning, um, there is an imbalance that I think is 
is quite a treacherous path to try to walk because fundamentally it's such a slippery slope. One day you're rich and the next day you're not. I mean, ask any entrepreneur and they've had many, many failings oftentimes before they have huge successes, you know, and even if they've had huge successes, it doesn't mean they can't lose it all. So that is always a changing variable. But what can be consistent in anyone's life and what they do have full control over when everybody at the end of the day is trying to control what they have control over is how they love and how they love themselves is is imperative first and foremost before they can love another. And then, you know, how they love the world and how they bring love into the world is kindness and happiness and joy. That is something that everybody has full and complete sovereignty over at any given time. So I like to say that and share that just from my perspective that if we all started to take accountability for how we love every single day and how we express it every single day, and even if it's just expressing it to self and loving ourselves enough to wake up in the morning and make that fresh squeeze celery juice that I like to do for myself every morning now instead of just popping in a coffee pot, right? <laughs> um, taking that extra time for my by my body to feel good. That's a way of loving myself, right? So these little things that we do for ourselves as love starts to also give us the ability to then share love with others. Which brings me to another exciting topic, which is love and just love in relationship and where I've been with that. You know, um, many of my friends, you know, they've been kind of seeing me go through these times where I've been single, you know, and processing out of a divorce, um, which happened about, separation happened about four years ago now. So it's been a, it's been a process for sure, you know, to heal and forgive and get to a place of self-love again after that and, and disappointment, you know, and, and all sorts of, you know, emotions that we go through when we go through those massive changes in our lives, such as divorce. I mean, it really molds you and, and puts you into another level of temperance of fire to um, bring you into another level of state of strength. And so I don't have any regrets about it. You know, I don't look at it as a bad thing, actually. I look at it as something that's made me much stronger and also much more compassionate to my clients who've been through that and also, you know, just understanding the evolution of loving relationships that sometimes they don't work out and we think, oh, we're fa we failed. And it's like, no, it just came to a completed state. There was no more soul growth. There was nothing left to learn there. And your soul was complete and even if the human wasn't, right? The angelic soul is saying, okay, so this is good. You got what you needed out of this and they got what they needed and there's really nothing else here but, you know, rinse and repeat. So let's move into a different shampoo. <laughs> let's move into a different a different experience or something, right? So um, anyway, so the point I'm making is now what I'm finding is I'm stepping into a new phase and... Um, recently met somebody that I feel could be interesting to explore in relationship. And it's changed my perspective on a lot of things already. And I think that's the purpose of, of relationship is to, can you forgive yourself of certain things? Can you move into um, certain levels of, of expression of love that might not be always comfortable or things that you've judged in the past? Um, you know, things that you 
looked at from one perspective in the past as, oh, I can't do that, you know, and then say, well, why not? Love wins. When we go from the place of love wins, we can do everything based on love, right? And so it's interesting, you know, it's exploring just some ideas around relationship for me right now and not going to get too deep into it because I want to honor it and keep it private. But I do want to say that um, it makes me happy. It brings me joy. It makes my heart smile. And um, he's a very kind and sweet individual and very trusting and trustworthy. And I think for me, that's the key to any relationship. You know, I found that when I first got out of my past marriage and I went into the dating world and with all these, you know, swipe right, swipe right apps, you know, um, where you feel like you're ordering a person with a side of, side of, you know, fries. It's just so weird. You know, it's just a weird dynamic to be in after you've been married for, or, or in a relationship, I should say, for 10 years to come into that and have everybody just feel extremely competitive with their selfies and women putting themselves on there in like bikinis and boobs hanging out and just like they're a piece of meat, you know, and it's just not who I am, you know, not how I want to represent who I am and how I'm going to be loved and respected and treated. And in actuality, it made me very sad, you know, to the state of affairs of love right now and how people are, are, are treating it, you know, treating the idea of courtship and, um, and getting to know each other. And I think the men have gotten completely complacent in terms of feeling like they have to work to impress a woman anymore. I don't think there's a whole lot of that going on, you know, because so many women have made it so easy. It's just, you know, they've they've stepped into their their male, and that male is, you know, oh, yeah, sex is great, you know. So it's unfortunately what happens in that dynamic is then you have, you know, and it might sound a little old-fashioned, but you you have kind of a loss of innocence you know the innocence of, of courtship and sweetness and gentleness and kindness is just completely skipped over just to get into the bedroom and I'm saying this not from a place of judging per se but just an observation that what that's doing is tearing apart the fabric of love because once we get into the sexual dynamics of things um it's very hard to go back and capture that innocent love, right? So the romance, I guess you could say. And yet the romance and the love is what keeps that relationship thriving. It's something that is like an un, it's like an unlimited wellspring of energy that can be tapped into when someone's having a fight. You know, they can think back to those moments of love, you know. It's very hard to... to capture that in a moment of passion in the bedroom you know (laughs) that's it's a different vibration completely and so I just invite everyone to consider you know whoever's listening in that you know take your time if you're if you're not already in relationship and you're single it's like enjoy and, and savor the innocence of you know think back to like your first love and it's like how many hours did you spend making out on a couch or something or in a car let's say you know and just exploring the energy of that for a long time you know before 
maybe jumping into bed, you know, getting, getting, uh, more intimate. I think there's something to be said for that, you know, and a lot of people didn't have those kind of first experiences. And I'm going to say that I know that, you know, I obviously, but I'm saying the quintessential majority, let's say, um, might've dated and, you know, went to prom and, you know, all those kind of things. And I know a lot of people are like, yeah, I got laid at my prom, <laughs> but I'm just going to say that there are those who, who didn't, you know, there are those who kind of had that kind of old, old fashioned, I guess you could say love, you know, and there's a sweetness to it. And I think if we can recapture that in any capacity as adults, even, um, it's a beautiful thing to do. And I know that that's my attempt right now in in this new relationship is to really take my time because once we get to bed, we get to bed, then it's just, you know, you just, how often do you make out again? You know, it's kind of how, <laughs> how it works. So, um, I think what people don't understand is the energetic entanglement of the heart when one is just sitting and hugging their partner, you know, in fact, um, on the first date with this person, that was all we did was just we hugged for, for probably eight minutes. I'm not kidding you guys. It's like we literally just hugged. And I actually said to him, I said, I want you to imagine light coming from my heart into yours and vice versa. And he could literally feel my heart beating inside his chest. And when we can get to these levels of connection with people, and we can really understand the science of spirit and apply that to our relationships. I think it's a really interesting, fascinating journey. It makes it much more compelling to, to come into a grounded nature of expression of love. And so I just invite anybody listening to consider how they can reconnect maybe with their partners, rekindle some romance if they haven't had romance in a while. And, and start hugging, you know, really expressing through the heart directly and, um, you know, kissing cheeks and, and just nuzzling and just and get into that cuddly, snuggly, romantic place again, you know, if you haven't been able to do that. Um, it's a really beautiful thing because that's where the inner children just really feel blessed and appreciated and seen and felt and just that affection comes in and it's just it's a really beautiful thing for the children to feel that that inner child to just feel held and special so I'm going to leave everybody with that and that concept and just invite you to give yourself a hug today <laughs> as the hug angel as I like to say you know um it's been a wild ride by the way I want to say that my websites were all wiped out a couple months ago and long story short my server was getting transferred and before my new service provider could get the hosting over my old service provider decided to just shut it off and and wipe everything and I went really all right so I guess I'm letting go of all that old stuff and building a new so if you haven't been on my website lately um, if you check it out now it's it's definitely different um, it's going to be upgraded because it's still in process so just know that um it's a work in progress because I'm really taking my time because by the way I do all of it myself I haven't hired most people outsource their design and everything to others I do everything myself because it's all a living transmission of my light so every 
logo is done by me. Everything is everything's done by me, and it's all me. There isn't a, there isn't even a single word or color code or <laughs> anything that isn't something that I haven't chosen specifically as my transmission of what I do in the world, and it's because. I know that it's a living medicine to some degree. It's it's a place and a space to experience the energy of who I am. And so interestingly, the energy has changed uh, quite a bit. I've noticed as I'm building it, building it, it's much warmer and much more um, about the light and expressing the light um, and the warmth of the heart through that and the gold and just the colors and everything has changed. So it's just really interesting when we let go of the old and what we think we have to hold on to and we make way for completely new what comes through, you know. And so the the transmission of who I am is showing and shining in a different way now. So just be patient. If you're looking for anything, the best thing to do is just email me through the website and um, I'll be getting up different things there. And, and also keep in mind there's things that I don't put up on there because... Um, how do I say it? My angels want me protected. They want certain things of who I am and what I am to be um, guarded, you know, for more personal counseling and connection and um, not just on public display, I guess is the best way to put it. So, you know, oftentimes people say, why don't you put your face up there all over the place? It's like because energetically people feed, you know, energetically people tune in and, and um, feed on energy. This is what happens in social media all the time. And so I'm just very cognizant of that. I'm very cognizant of how much of my personal life I share and, and so forth. So just understand that about me. If you haven't already known that about me, um, it's something to consider when we are angels in human form in the world, our energy is sought after and not always for the good, good reasons. So, um, there's just, something in that that I know for me personally has been um, not hiding but just protected is the best way to put it for for specific reasons so anywho that said I want to say that I want to honor you for tuning in and thank you for sharing in this podcast today I know it was kind of a personal one um, and an expressing of my own heart to my listeners, because I know that, you know, oftentimes I'm giving advice on your life (laughs) and I don't, um, get a chance to, to share what's going on in mine, but I felt it was kind of important to say that I've been going through a lot, you know, like many have, there's been many energy waves coming through. I'd like to say they're small, but they're not, you know, they're more like tidal waves (laughs) and these tidal waves have an undercurrent that's kind of an, you know, intense. And I've just been finding that, um, for me, I've had to take time to heal the body a little bit more than normal and recharge more than normal and take care of myself in many ways. So, um, thank you for being patient and, you know, angels in the buff for me is not something where, it's a weekly, you know, podcast that I always have to do anymore. I've, I've realized it's it's when I feel a transmission coming through and when the angels have a message to transmit through me, then I will be here speaking my heart and I will do it to the best of my ability and I will share 
authentically because that's all I know how to do. And um, without apology, you know, just be here and be expressing my love and my support for humanity in the best way that I can. And um, I hope everyone understands that as much as you might want to tune in and you're like, where is she? Why isn't she there? Um, you know, there's archives and, and we'll be getting up more archives. But because, um, of course, all my websites were wiped, so all those went away too. So I have to get those all re recalibrated. But um, Angels in the Buff, I believe you can still find on blogtalkradio.com. My old, old archives are there if you're interested in any of my interview interview version of the show. Um, also, Awaken Angels uh, as a podcast was on Blog Talk Radio. So um, I'll be finding all those and getting them up on my website as well at some point. But for now, um, yeah, it's it's been a little bit challenging to get that done. So um, patience is a virtue. <laughs> all right, guys, I love you so much and beautiful, beautiful goddesses as well and angels right? The non-gender. <laughs> Everybody listening, thank you so much for being here. I'm so blessed. You can find uh, angelicacademy.com, the kind of new and temporary somewhat site uh, landing page toward, um, in, uh, gosh, my teachings, I guess you could say, right? That'll be kind of the landing page for some of my teachings and signing up for the angelhood if you're interested in joining me on a weekly um, group coaching call called Simply Sovereign. That's where I am every week, Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific. I am guiding people through all chemical processes, guided journeys, meditations, downloads, coaching. It's a big uh, love fest a uh, couple hours a week um, on Wednesday nights. And that is the only group coaching I do. Everything else is private counsel. So um, I would just say if you're interested in working with me in any capacity and maybe don't have the funds to get a one-on-one, -on -one, then this is your best alternative. It's 44 a month. That's only $11 a week to work with me and um, learn about the angels, learn about angelic science, as I like to call it more so, and um, feel into the vibration of the alchemical force that is the light that is coming into this planet. I call it the diamond light and all of the um, energy that can shift humanity. You know, I, I do bring through every single week. You know, that is why I'm on the planet to be an instrument of that living light and assist people in healing and resolving any static and distortion in their fields and so forth. So we do that every week. It's like a little angel tune up if you need one. And definitely the most affordable way to connect with me other than this, of course. And um, other than that, stephanielodge.com, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-L-O-D-G-E.com is my main hub. And uh, you can get some more information there about who I am, what I do in the world, uh, what I am, <laughs> and uh, how to get in touch with me there for, for services of any kind, offerings of any kind, as far as my coaching, um, my healing work, and so forth. So wanted to just share that again. And I love you. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day, wherever you are in the world. And make it a beautiful rest of your week. And we will talk soon again here. Until then, 
big angel hug. Much love and keep flying high. Love you guys. Bye-bye.